you know, if we could if we could knock out these five or six projects around the house, that would really make the house better when it comes to postpartum time. Yeah, like make it more peaceful. That piece of furniture managed. is annoying the crap out of me. Yeah. You know, like we really need to fix that house project. You can group some of those together and say, you know what? These are the things. If we got these done before the baby came, that'd be awesome. So, yeah, maybe like... Asking your wife for a nap is the best way you can be supportive of her in the middle of the night because you can take a nap and then be able to be awake with the baby when she's sleeping. Welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. And I'm Teresa Grodi. And we're back with another extraordinary conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. And this week, talking more about the postpartum period and how we're preparing for it. We had a pretty jam-packed episode last week. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Baldwin, our midwife, joined us. Yes. Other of 16. I hope, hope you watched that because it was pretty jam-packed. Teresa and, and Lisa shared a lot from their own experiences. Um, pretty raw episode. Uh, and this one's going to be another one, raw in a different way, because we're going to be talking about how we prepare for the postpartum period. And probably some of that preparation is going to happen here live, because I'm sure we're going <laughs> to get to parts of our list that we haven't talked about enough yet. But we'll get to that in a moment. I want to remind you, as always, that if you like what we're doing on this show, want more information, look at the archives, you know, find ways to support the show, you can check it out at elevateordinary.com and join our patron community there. Uh, and you can also uh, download the Awaken app at theawakenapp.io. That's the, the best way to stay up on this show and other shows here at Awaken Catholic. Uh, so with that in mind, again, we're talking more about the postpartum time, babe. Yeah, so uh, if you guys haven't realized, if you're quick. just listening to this and you aren't watching this, um, I've been like nine months pregnant for about 10 episodes now. So you're, if you if haven't you're realized you're missing. that we record these things in bunches... <laughs> Yeah. A friend was like, when is she going to have that baby? I'm like, oh, it's because we record a bunch at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so I am 35, no, 36, 36 weeks pregnant. Man. My husband's yawning because we're all tired because you know. I have to flip over at night like 10 times a night <laughs> to keep my hips from falling apart. So we're all <laughs> we're all awake all the time. Um, it's a nice preparation for yeah. like when the baby's waking you up continuously at yeah. night. <laughs> You're at least used to the fact that you're not sleeping. Um, so we had the episode that Jumberg referenced with mm-hmm. Lisa Baldwin, mm-hmm. our awesome midwife, mm-hmm. and midwife and mother of 16. Extraordinaire. Yeah. Amazing woman. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful Catholic. Lovely friend. I, I value her so much. Um, and we talked about elevating the postpartum period. Uh, physiological reasons why the postpartum period is important. And your body expects it. It's not just like a vacation that some people choose to have. Um, So I would definitely recommend checking out that episode. Um, So now this episode is is like part two, postpartum as a couple. So we're going to talk more specifically about how we prepare for the postpartum period as a couple. You know, so this isn't just like Teresa is mandating what is this like push presents? They have push presents now where you push out a baby and you get a present. Like, I, sorry, the postpartum period, like people bringing me meals is like all I want. <laughs> no, so this isn't like Teresa's 
I hate that List phrase so much. Yeah. <laughs> says push present. This is like something that we've learned over the course, and you can listen to the other episode where I describe in detail and in length my postpartum depression issues with the first three babies, where we learned that it is extremely important for our vocation, mm-hmm. our, our marriage and our family and the, the kingdom building that we do for me to take care yeah. of myself and the baby during, you know, the ideally around the first six weeks, 40 days, yeah. um, especially when I'm I'm like, I, there's still a gaping wound inside my body. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that was one of the themes that came out of last episode. You know, we, we've encountered this experientially in our family and Lisa and hers, you know, that we start out um, the, the journey of family life, not really having heard from a community or a multi-generational, you know, passing on of tradition, a lot of the nitty gritty of family life and baby stuff, you know, some of it, um, but but we, there's always just so much that you just have to learn by experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that even as it's happening in yourself, you you discover voices of the culture on saying like, why, why is this taking so long? Mm-hmm. And boy, I'm feeling really unproductive. And she boy, keeps asking pe- me for things. Boy, people and- are doing a lot, you know, to help out our family. And I feel kind of bad about that, that everybody's taking time out of their busy lives to help yeah. us with the baby. And realizing well, there's a, there's a, there's a mismatch of priorities implicit in that, in that, rather than this being recognized for what it is as the the pinnacle and point of society, which is new life, new people, taking care of these people. That's that's the point of society. That's the pinnacle of society. The reason we have governments and institutions and schools and, you know, that's all, that's for people. And so at this moment when a new person comes into the world, it is right that that, that woman be encouraged and protected to be able to have this time of bonding with the baby and taking care of the baby and, and resting and recovering and that the community rallies around that couple and their family to take care of them. That, that just makes sense. Now we're not all in situations where that happens. Yeah. Even, even when we're surrounded about around with people who want that to happen because we're, we're all having to sort of retread these paths, you know, make new, new manners and mores. Mm-hmm. You know, we're having to kind of rediscover this because the culture has changed so fast that a lot of that, that knowledge, that tradition and culture has been lost. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, on the community level, we're having to, now we all have these experiences and then we come together and say, we need to, we need to make this happen better. Um, and of course the most, the main place that happens is between a couple. So, yeah. So, and I just want to give this disclaimer, like we are not medical. This is not medical advice. Um, do not consult us over your OB <laughs> or your midwife. Um, this is just our experience, what we do, what we found helpful. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and 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 along with that too, we let's see what we're trying to exemplify here. You know, we we talk about things through the lens of the virtues. That's kind of our big lens mm-hmm. on the show. And so, what we're talking about is just trying to embrace the reality of things first and foremost. Prudence. Prudence. Turn towards reality. The reality of what the body's actually go- going through, mm-hmm. what the real needs are physiologically and spiritually and emotionally, um, and then and then balancing those realities with, well, then the best you can do in that situation, however, is the best you can do. So you shouldn't hear any of this or any, anything that anybody else has to say and feel bad because, oh, I'm not living up to this ideal. Mm-hmm. No, that's not the point here. The point is trying to understand reality, you know, the body marriage, family, the baby time, the postpartum time as best you can. And then you in, uh, in partnership with your spouse to try to proactively 
embrace that the best you can. And the, mm-hmm. again, the best you can do is the best you can do. That's the point. It's a journey. So mm-hmm. the best, you know, give it your best shot. I promise I'll give practicals. Okay. I promise. I'm a practical person. And when I tune into a podcast like this, I want to hear practicals. I promise he will give you the philosophy dad, dad and the ideal ticles. and maybe dad some dad tickles. That's okay. dad practicals. <laughs> Number one, don't make puns while she's pushing. That's just like yeah. right off oh the bat gosh. or after there's like a moratorium on puns, yeah. you know, two months before the baby, two months after the baby, write them down, gentlemen. Yeah, be time don't for make later. me laugh when I've just had a baby. It hurts. Take, take advice from a, a very experienced dad. Oh, yep, yep. Yeah, Ethan's giving us giving me the the finger the finger wagon there. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, and this we did take a bunch of questions on social media, and this is the time that we will try to answer them towards the end, or um, allude to them. But first, while we're talking about this, like mythical postpartum period mm-hmm. um we'll describe to you what our goal is for my recovery during that time um for for me um i begin to guard the postpartum period even during birth um it's some of the reasons why i choose i've i've had any i've had all i've had the gambit of birthing i've had induction c-section uh, natural birth that resulted in like the need for surgery immediately afterwards. <laughs> um, like, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've really experienced a lot of births. Okay. Um, but as I've experienced so many births and postpartum periods, I have, I begin to guard the symbiosis between myself and the baby. Um, even during labor and delivery, you know, I want, I want certain things during labor and delivery. And I will go into that because that's not this particular episode. But during the postpartum period, what my goal is, is that to recognize the reality that my organs are all out of place because I had a giant baby inside me and a giant placenta. And now my organs are going back into place. Um, And that the bleeding that I'm experiencing is not period bleeding. This is not just the shedding of your uterus lining. It's like a fresh gaping wound inside of you. And as long as you're bleeding, that internal wound is bleeding inside of you. Mm -hmm. So if you would imagine that on your leg, (laughs) you know, if like you were taking care of someone and they had this gaping wound that every time they were getting up, they were breaking open afresh, you'd be like, sit down until that's healed. And so my goal is to spend as little time moving as possible and warm and cozy and comfortable and not experiencing trauma from external places like um, news or scary movies or, you know, weepy things. Like I'm not processing my birth trauma if I had at that time during this healing, physical, physiological healing um, time when my hormones are going up and down and trying to address, you know, adjust to breastfeeding hormones and not pregnancy hormones. Um, so basically just like this warm, safe, leisurely, leisurely in, you know, go, uh, please watch our amazing episode with Simone Riscala on, uh, the virtue of leisure. Um, absolutely wonderful, but experiencing this true leisure time where I have this gift, um, of a recovering body and a baby body, um, you know, just, just keeping this little space. And usually 
Um, traditionally, when you look at, at um, cultures around the world, it's typically around like six weeks to 40 days of just really watching and taking care of the woman. So that's kind of my goal. Um, and so during that time, we have five children at home. So during that time, John Mark yes. is in charge of like the household. Um, and we have a beautiful community that we um, have been a part of for, you know, six or seven years that we can rely on for any number of things. Like, I mean, I think I could ask these people for anything and they would jump to it. So we're very blessed. And yeah. um, I think one of our goals is to rely on people more than we feel like we need to in the moment because that's that is a difficult thing that we've had to learn it's like because you're used to we talked about this a little last time and we'll talk about it more later but it's part of our, our ingrained vice of acedia that we want to derive our sense of peace and contentment and self-worth by being productive and so that makes it hard to take a sick day or to take a sabbath or to take a proper postpartum period because you want to get back out there and feel good about doing stuff. Um, and so that even when you're resting, it, it you resist this uh, this uh, asking for help. You know, you asking me for the, the help you need, you know, so that you can protect you know, this time of, of healing. But also for me, you know, not, not really delegating and asking for help from my parents or from Teresa's parents or from our friends. Um, you know, we, we, I, we, we want that for you and for this postpartum period. We want that for everybody. That's, that's what we're trying to work mm -hmm. together as a community, that this, again, new life into the world, this is a momentous event. This is this is big time. This is so important. Um, we want to normalize, you know, <laughs> the community coming together and really- That, that word triggers really me. taking care of it, you know, Normali really helping normalizing. out. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to push myself this time to really uh, spread the love around and ask for help. That's something I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, okay. So how do we do this as a couple leading up into the postpartum period? So it, it doesn't just start, we don't just start this like mythical thing. When I have the baby, we are thinking about it. Honestly, sometimes we're thinking about it even before we conceive, you know, just kind of thinking about, um, my health before we conceive, you know, am I going to be healthy going into this pregnancy? What's my mental health like, you know, kind of thing. And what giant things are looming, yeah, you know, stuff that we really should, if we, you know, if, if it's, if it's that time again, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and we're, we're ready to do that. Like, is there stuff that we need to take care of that we should take care of now, you know, yeah. so that we, you know, we're, we're open yeah. to, to a new baby now. Well, we were talking about sure buying a house it, you know? and I was, I was thinking like right around when this baby was due and I was thinking like, no, we have to like do it either two months before or we have to do it two or three months afterwards because we really have to protect that time mm. for my mental health. Because I have had, I have, I do have a history of, of postpartum. There's like a scale now of like what they call postpartum issues. Um, I just still call it postpartum depression because in my mind, it's like all coming from the mm. same place. It's not like a million different things that need to be diagnosed. In my mind, it's not receiving the care you should that your body is physiologically demanding. Um, and so it all just kind of comes from the same place for me. Yeah. Um, and whatever the source, the point is like that, that you should be ready as a couple and as a community to be there for that, whatever that brings to the service. Because I think Lisa pointed out in the last episode that maybe part of postpartum depression and some of the, those issues that come up is just, you know, the woman 
you know, bodily, mentally, spiritually processing a lot of new stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and so maybe there's not necessarily something wrong. It's just that this just takes the time to process, or it might be bringing things to the surface that mm-hmm. need to be dealt with or talked about or, you know, but the point is, yeah. is like create that space so that whatever God is doing in that time can happen. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can be fully present to it. Also, we wanted to point out there too that um, this notion of protecting that whole that whole time as you're looking ahead towards having a baby. Again, we just ex- expect babies to come into the world, and that's just to adapt around the rest of important life, rather than life uh, adapting itself to to family and to babies. And I don't know much about the politics of of policies of um, you know maternity leave and paternity leave, um, so I'm not going to speak on that on that policy. But when I do hear that, it, it does seem to me that at least what's happening there in a positive sense is that people are trying to acknowledge the importance of society uh, changing itself to fit the family mm-hmm. rather than the other way around that. Even if that particular policy, again, I don't yeah. know much about it, but the point is, is that kind of thing needs to, needs to be there that, that uh, the community needs to, to rally together for uh, the families. Yeah. yeah it It is interesting. So we have a friend who she and her other nurse anesthetists were not allowed by contract <laughs> to get pregnant within a certain time of starting their job at the hospital. Mm. And three of them did. And what it forced the hospital to do was to change their policy because they had just invested Bully. all this, you know, all this um, uh, education in these women. Or, yeah, I think they were, well, obviously... Nope. See, we don't even we can't even say things anymore. So they had just invested all of this uh, education in these women, who then got pregnant when they weren't supposed to, and um, the culture had to shift. You know what I mean? Like so, perhaps paternity leave and maternity leave are saying, you know what? I'm. This is a cultural shift. We are getting back to valuing yeah. new life and valuing the family that's raising the new life because these are the stability for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know much about the. So yeah, again, we yeah. Won't go into, but the, the and, point and actually, is, so is, this is something yeah. to mention ahead of time. So we're speaking from our experience, mm-hmm. and we're speaking from an experience of people who have worked to build community to rely on for situations like this. Okay. Um, so we're not, we can't cover everybody's experience. We can't cover what if you live in this socioeconomic condition? What do you, if you live in this, you know, what if this thing happens to you? I can't talk about all of that. Mm-hmm. I, I just simply can't. It's not my thing. And again, that's <laughs> why know? our lens is I don't always have the virtues the experience. here. Our lens is always the virtues here because whatever situation you are in, you're called to be prudent. You're called to be just. You're called to be courageous. You know, and that's your task. That is your task that no one else can do for you. No one can think it through for you and, and for your spouse. It is your task as a couple to practice the virtues and apply them to your situation. And so, you know, we're trying to exemplify th- these kind of conversations and trying to talk about these concepts that we're trying to live out and we're struggling with. Um, but the, the point is, is for us all to take the take the the principles, the virtues, and apply them to your particular, you know, you take them and apply them to your family and try to do the very best you can. And God knows, God knows our heart. Yeah. And I think, so one of the first things that we do when we get pregnant mm-hmm. is we look at your vacation days, <laughs> Start nine months into the up. future, yeah. <laughs> yep. um, and how many you could conceivably have, yeah. you know, give or take a few for morning sickness or, you know, emergencies. Um, and then we also l- 
uh, connect with both of our families mm-hmm. and tell them when the due date is and that we hope that they will come and help us, <laughs> you know, take care of the kids, especially so when I'm blessed. in labor. We're so blessed. We, we are. Our families are just so generous. They're so, their time um, and their... yeah, they're so happy to be with grandkids and yeah, totally hear about there. new babies and things like that. Yep. Um, and I also, I tend to sooner rather than later check in with a friend who is going to Organize my meal train. Meal train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we, so meal trains are like scheduled times when other people bring you meals. We do it through mealtrain.com, which is why we always refer to it as a meal train. Um, Gosh, we talk about them a lot. We, we should, do. We, we do. They're, I don't know. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Continue. No, if people use it, it's like sponsorship enough because then people that's are using true. it that's and they're true. bringing other people meals. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and I always kind of have in my mind who's due when, mm-hmm. you know, um, in our mom's group because we're all doing meal trains and how we can prepare to bring everybody a meal or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then, yeah, so I, we start thinking ahead of that time. And like we had said before, you know, if there was like a major life change that we were planning, it either needs to move up or move back. Yeah. <laughs> and we need to be like detached from, you know, the immediate outcome of that we've also over the years Mm -hmm. desired so this is possible for people to do with their place of employment Mm -hmm. like desiring uh, schedule flexibility Mm -hmm. or um you know proximity or working from home or whatever Mm -hmm. over taking just the next pay raise up um we had a friend who when he was, um, he was an engineer and rather than taking that year's pay raise, mm-hmm. he instead chose to come home for an afternoon instead, like to have an afternoon of the week oh, off instead. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that may be an option. Yeah. yeah. I mean, your, your, um, company is really family. It's a Catholic, uh, apostolate mm-hmm. and it's really family. They, they really think about families, mm-hmm. you know, when actually you do a lot of the thinking about the families and making the decisions. So, um, uh, but so that's something out there too. Like if you're yeah, if you're thinking there ahead may be about creative ways that are outside the norm that you can work with your your company your employer to adapt it more for your family life. Yeah, yeah and especially now that like virtual work is is normalized. Mm-hmm. Dang it, I'm never gonna stop being able to use that word. Um, so uh, you could always you don't have to be totally completely uh, like away from your job for mm-hmm. two weeks but you don't want to you know you don't want to drop that on your employer when it's happening right you want to have that established ahead of time you know that if there's that possibility in your job you know start exploring it ahead of time you know and can that be a possibility you know can i have the materials and the resources i need and can it be established so that they i know that i can do some of my job from home that gives you a lot more flexibility in the postpartum period to mm-hmm. you know extend beyond your sick days to continue to work and you know ease back into normal life with your family. Yeah. Yeah. I need to look at my notes because I'm starting to hmm. get uh, distracted by my when own thoughts. You look at your notes. I was going to say another okay. thing about, you know, one thing that we tend to do during during the pregnancy, looking ahead, is that um, we do a, a rallying cry. We talked about, you know, Patrick Lencioni's book, uh, Three Questions for Frantic Families, you know, and he describes, you know, coming up with a family mission and identity and then sort of running this process where, you know, you, you, you make a list, you throw everything against the wall. Here's all the stuff we wish we could do, all the projects, all the stuff. But then what's a, a rallying cry right now 
that covers a handful of these mm-hmm. that we want to get done this month. And typically during the pregnancy, we, we have a month or two where our rallying cry, we just kind of finished up one where the rallying cry was, you know, if we could, if we could knock out these five or six projects around the house, that would really make the house better when it comes to postpartum time. Yeah, like make it more peaceful. That piece of furniture managed. is annoying the crap out of me. Yeah. You know, like we really need to fix that house project. You can group some of those together and say, you know what? These are the things. If we got these done before the baby came, that'd be awesome. That'd be yeah. so helpful. And so you can you know, bring that together, have a good conversation about it, pick out the things, mm-hmm. and then run run the run the project. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my, my brain was... just went blank. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm so far pregnant that like I could just stare at a wall and be happy. Preparing ahead of time (laughs) for postpartum time. Oh, I almost had it. Dang it. Writing things down so you don't forget. Oh, that's it. That's it. So actually since baby number one, I'm not even sure why I had this kind of insight. Maybe it's because I'm a historian and like I like to chronicle things. Um, I kept a Word document, just a simple Word document by trimester Mm. of things that were occurring to me so kind of like a journal but like not long-winded like this hurts and this was the solution to it like you probably won't remember this until you get here again so here i'm gonna make a note of it so i can look at it ahead of time when i'm not feeling it but then as as time as babies came i would write down like this was a great trimester Mm -hmm. to have bought all the paper plates or this was a great trimester to have um, started to plan my meals, what frozen meals I'm going to have. This was a great, so like even just like all it took was just to like open that Word document, throw it in the trimester, the thought in the trimester. And then I had this like forever timeline of like, what should I do in the second trimester? Oh, this was helpful last time, (laughs) you know, to like troubleshoot um, things so that you're not just like trying to prep for your, postpartum period all at once you know um yeah i like that i like that a lot yeah yeah so um and i keep the real i'm gonna actually i'm gonna link in the show notes my absolute favorite freezer meal plan i have never seen a meal plan like this usually when you go to like a freezer meal this is sorry this is like a housewife tangent um usually when you go to freezer plans um you'll like get this list of ingredients that's like 40 or 50 things long for 10 different recipes and nothing ever makes sense and you're just buying like none of the recipes like have any kind of coherence but there's this one lady i think it's five dollar meals and it's a gluten-free costco 20 meals under 150 dollars or for 150 dollars at costco where every ingredient that you buy in bulk at costco has a place in like these 10 different meals that you double. I've never seen anything like it. It was totally worth the five bucks to download the menu because I've used it. This is going to be the third baby that I've used it for. And it's so simple and I can get it done in like 20 minutes. So I will link that below. She doesn't pay me. It's just a really good meal plan. So that's another thing too, right? Like we're looking ahead. We, we've yeah. got our... We bought our half a cow. Yeah. We our freezer stock. We're going to work on <laughs> When we buy together. our bulk meals or our bulk Beef matters. Yeah. She's got the kids cutting up vegetables. You know. That is something that we do. Mm-hmm. We work all pregnancy through now that we have kids as we get established in our routines mm-hmm. um, so that the kids uh, experience as little amount of change, but then also they're actually able to help yeah, empower run the, the household. Kids, you know, get them involved in 
you know, like leading the prayer times or, you know, cutting up vegetables for dinners mm-hmm. or being able to do different chores. It's great. Our six year old can feed everyone lunch. Mm-hmm. She can cut fruit. She can cut vegetables and she can open up the pre-cooked chicken that you get at Costco and put it on everybody's plates. Mm-hmm. She can do it all. My six year old. Now she has a personality it. like that too. Mm-hmm. So my eight year old couldn't do it. But my six-year-old can. <laughs> um, Lucy can do it. She, they, they love doing Don't name that. names. She'll listen to it afterwards. <laughs> they love that kind of stuff. Some of them need more coaching than others, but they love to do that. Yeah. So it's a, again, this is another, another piece of this is that like we've learned over time that within, at least within our family, um, even before we get to extended family and community, it's like, this is a community event. This is a family event. We're all working together on this. We're all preparing we're all praying. And then when it comes time, it's all hands on deck. We all have our own roles. And then in the postpartum period, you know, it's still all hands on deck. We all have our own roles, but we're doing this together as a family. This is what our family does. Yeah. yeah. One of the questions that got asked a lot mm-hmm. um, on social media, we we have a Facebook account and we also have an Instagram account. And, and you don't know how to use either. <laughs> I'm learning slowly, <laughs> <laughs> like over the course of several months. Um if I cared more about social media, I'd put more effort into it. Sorry, everyone. Like, you don't care. I care about you. <laughs> just not the media exchange. Yeah. It's just annoying. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I don't like to do stuff on my phone. But how to help other kids adjust or how you split your time. And I think that that's such a good question hmm. because it's such an overarching and normal fear. Every time you are thinking about conceiving again or you're going to welcome a new child and you already have this child that's been your entire, like, that has just rocked your entire world and you love them with a love you didn't even realize you could love another person with. Um, And there's this fear that, like, they are going to be left out. They are going to be upset. Um, And actually, we've never really had a giant problem with this. We've had we, we've talked about individual little instances where we've had to reassure a child like, oh, yeah, mommy still loves you. And, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of those times. But usually it just comes down to that, you know, relationships change. They take on different forms. That's the issue, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- one of the, I think one of the, the keys to that is precisely what we were just talking about, which is that, you know, your relationship with your kids changes from, oh, you're the only child and I just give you, you know, all this focus attention to now more and more we, we end up standing side by side with our kids mm-hmm. focusing on this project of family life. You know, there are partners in that, yeah. you know, and they, they're very empowered by that. And, but sometimes it needs to be more explicitly stated to certain kids like, Hey, yeah, listen, I wouldn't, this is, you know, like this is how things are changing, but we're, we're working on this together. This is a positive thing. This is good. This is our family rallying together to bring this to baby. Yeah. I wouldn't proactively say something like, Mommy's going to have less time for you or there's going to be, nah, you know, keep, keep I wouldn't do that at all. Focus on <laughs> but you, you can things. do things like, are you going to help me change the baby's diaper when the baby comes? Or like, is the baby going to sit in the car seat next to you? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm making it sound like I'm really sweet to my kids all the time. This is not how I sound often really unless I'm trying. When, I, when we were leaving the house today, because um, it's Lucy's, uh, she's the eight year old. It's yeah. her laundry day. She spent the first half of the day just griping about her laundry. When I came home, she was she was at the last stage of her load of laundry, and she was folding it, and she didn't want to do it, whatever. But I came in, and I was just I was trying to be proactive and compliment her because she was 
when she was doing it, she was folding the napkins very beautifully. Mm-hmm. She was folding the towels very beautifully. And I started to compliment it on her and chat with her about it. And a few minutes into it, I mean, she was just, she was showing me how to do it. And she was correcting my form, you know, folding the napkins. And you know, and again, so we have a, the relationship has changed and she has to now participate in a different way in the household. But you can affirm them in that and invite them up into that. And that's mm-hmm. something very special to them. And it sometimes takes some time. But yeah. when it clicks for them, they light up. And that's, and ultimately, that's what you want to give them as a parent. Again, your, your, your role as a parent is not to just, not to spoil them with, you know, all this never-ending, um, you know, affection in the same way as when they were two. It's that, no, you're, you're helping them grow to be their own virtuous person. Mm-hmm. And so that's the next stage of the relationship when you're inviting them up into this project. And so this is a great time for that because um, there are all kinds of roles and there are roles that they can, they can step up into and feel just really awesome. Um, yeah. Part of it. Yeah. And we definitely also take care to get the kids sleeping. Mm-hmm. Whatever the sleep scenario is for the older kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we like I remember thinking when I we had two and I was reading several books a night to our two year or our almost mm-hmm. two year old. And I just had this thought one day like. She's not going to get this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't want her to blame the baby. Like, I don't want this change to occur when the baby comes. So I remember, like, I had to reduce the number of books and then eventually work towards, you can have a book in your playpen, because she was sleeping in a playpen at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's like, you'd have a book in your playpen, Mm -hmm. um, but mommy's going to go lay down now. And so, like, the the transition was not occurring, like, when the baby came. Mm -hmm. So that is something that we do kind of ahead of time. We kind of look at the thing, look at the places where I'm... And again, this is turning towards reality. The reality isn't that is that there is going to be an amount of time, whether it's just the amount of time that you're in the hospital, if that's how you choose to do it, or if it's, you know, the amount of time that you give yourself afterwards in the postpartum period where you're not taking an active role in the household. The reality is at some point that kid is not going to have you for bedtime or they're not going to have you for a special cuddle time or they're not, you know, grandma's going to be there or somebody else is going to be there. And that is going to be reality. And my thought is I don't want them to blame all of this on the baby. I don't want them to start becoming resentful. So we're kind of working towards the new sleep thing or we're working towards new, more sustainable um, affection habits. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? With the reality that like, I'm going to be out of commission mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean I can't hug them, but it might mean I'm going to hug them for 30 seconds and then they're going to go back to grandma right. or daddy. Yeah. And this is, this is just part of family life. This is part of married life, right? You had different relationship habits before you had kids and then you had kids and then you had to figure out, okay, well, we, we, we still have to build and nurture our relationship, but that's going to mean new habits. It's going to mean asking for help in different ways. It's going to be so that again, just being proactive about that, I think is one of the keys here because you, it's hard to come up with that plan or build that airplane while it's in flight. So you want to mm-hmm. kind of have worked toward a plan beforehand. I hate to right? give a craft, but I, so I'm not a crafty person. Like we don't have art in our homeschool. <laughs> I, I, we don't have science. No, we have science. We don't have science that I have to put any kind of laboratory effort into. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just not this kind of person, but I actually do. I have done this since our first was welcoming the second. Okay, but I make these little labor goodie bags. 
for mm. the kids mm-hmm. that has some kind of wonderful candy that they want, you know, like something wonderful and sugary. Um, and this time of year, usually I am giving birth in August. Now I'm giving birth in March. So I'm like put hot chocolate in a little hot chocolate packet, mm. something they don't normally nice. get. Nice, nice. Um, and th- then I write each child like an individual letter about how proud I am of them and how I can tell that they're going to be a good big brother and sister. Um, and maybe like, I think I've put stickers in there or puzzles or something, you know, something really small that gives them something to do with grandma (laughs) when, and they do look forward to it. They asked about it this time. They're like, are we going to get those bags of candy again? I'm like, we'll have to see. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I think that that's like the added, like, I'm so proud of you. Mm -hmm. You have grown so much in this last year. I can tell that you're going to be affectionate with this baby or I can tell that you're going to be a big whatever like Mm -hmm. individual to the kid what I've observed in them um so I do do that I love that idea yeah Yeah. because yeah it'd be very easy to get into postpartum period and and recognize okay things aren't going perfectly because they're never going to go perfect Mm -hmm. and then and and wish you had better time and context to say some of those things well you can you can you can be proactive with that and say some Mm -hmm. of them ahead of time like yeah um okay so that was one question. Cool. Should we should we go questions? I guess. Yeah, okay, so this is a good one too, like the baptism, when to have it. I'm not going to tell you when to have the baptism for your child, okay? If it were up to me, I would have the baptism immediately, okay? Like we'd be, we'd call the priest that night Jesuit and be like, get off. over here and baptize <laughs> my baby. I'm still in bed. We haven't cut the umbilical cord yet. No, <laughs> no but... <laughs> um. Because you have to care, because I want to care for myself Mm -hmm. and because the church exempts ill people and people who are caring for ill and caring for children to be exempt. And I guarantee you, if you were to look through history, um, peasant history, like salt of the earth, Catholic peasantry, um, you would likely have someone taking a baby to be baptized or a priest coming to a house um, if the baby was going to be baptized immediately. If not, they would probably wait until the woman's 40-day. I mean, that's what the presentation in the temple was. Like, you would probably wait until the traditional time that a woman could leave her house again or she just wouldn't be at the baptism. So, I mean, like, there are these cultural realities that exist in history. The church gives us exemptions. Um so that's at your own discretion, but I don't, uh, I don't tip unless there's an emergency. I don't typically feel comfortable with me doing anything, um, social before a month is out. Mm-hmm. Which um, is just slippery slope. I mean, cause you, you tend to want to jump back into things too quick and you do one thing yeah. and you want to schedule two things. And so like we're, we're trying to yeah. err more on the side for you to, mm-hmm. on, no, this is, this is the contemplative time. We're going to take, take longer than. Maybe you'd yeah. otherwise prefer. And I, I've balked at the churches. You know, it's so funny because you're so sophomoreish when you have your conversion. You you hunger for knowledge about the church mm. and you f- fill like all the knowledge in your brain and then you become really judgy, <laughs> you know. Um, and I've balked about the church's um, exemptions and I've tried to muscle through them oh. in pregnancy or or breastfeeding, especially breastfeeding because you feel like, well, I'm not pregnant of course like, i can like fasting yeah like or, fasting or or even like or attending mass if you if, if your spouse is sick yeah. and you've got a ton of little kids and mm-hmm. there's no babysitting 
available at mass. It's just like, what the heck am I going to do? You know, um, you know, everybody's kids have different temperaments and are different levels of crazy. Um, so it's like, I've, I have balked at those things. And a lot of times I've like, God has given me my just desserts. Let me just tell you for not being obedient or not, not, um, accepting the gift the the very wise gift that the church gives and exemptions. Um, and I've had some really sucky things occur when I have not obeyed the church well, that's so, or, yeah. or I've thought myself higher than the I exemptions. Think, like, like where is that red underlining in the catechism that tells you what's for the sissy Catholics and what's for the, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we do, we think that way. We're like, this is for the silly Catholics because the church has to be diplomatic and do this, but I'm a real Catholic. So I'm going to do no, this Whatever notion, I want. This notion of obedience <laughs> is, I think, a really important one here. I'm talking about the postpartum period. Because, um, uh, again, we talk a lot on the show about prudence here, which um, if you take seriously this duty to be prudent, this, this first virtue of prudence, which is to turn to reality and to, in a sense, obey God through reality by, by attending to what the way things actually are, then, for instance, with the, pro, po, the postpartum period, uh, we've talked a little bit about this in the last episode, but the um, obedience and prudence in this period means um, that I, I really attend to the reality of of the need to recover, the need to rest, whatever, and that that's not like that's not the church making an exception for me and my weakness. No, this is me obeying God's design here. You know, if you if you are sick. You know, if you're sick and it's imprudent for you to go to church on Sunday, the church isn't making some concession for you because you're weak. No, no, you are obeying God by doing the prudent thing. Whatever you do should be prudent. You know, if if it really is prudent for you to go to mass because there's there's no no barrier today, then do it. But if there is some actual impediment, then it's not just that you do it, but you begrudgingly and you feel kind of bad about it. No, no. If you're being prudent, be prudent. And this, and it's important to have that in your mind this time period because again, it's so easy to get in this time period and feel, oh, I'm not being productive enough, or it's been too long, or whatever. You need to set those feelings aside and say, no, 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 we had a plan, and my body needs to recover, and this is how I obey God by being obedient to this reality yeah. of this process. I was, I was almost dizzy when I took a shower yesterday. Probably means I shouldn't go to mass tomorrow. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, why would I think that? <laughs> Sometimes you'll get people in the same breath who will say, I could never ask someone to take care of me in the postpartum period or to watch my kids. Like that's, I could never find it. I don't know people that well. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, well, should your husband stay home? And like, you just had a baby stay home and watch the kids because he's exempt from, you know, by canon law. Oh, well there, you can always find someone to watch your kids. (laughs) And you're like, (laughs) either we can find somebody to watch our kids to take care of the invalid or, you know what I mean? Like the, the standards change based, based truly on scrupulosity. Um, and, and again, I, I've been there. I've been this contradictory thinking person where I felt super bad for asking people to help me. But then I've been like, well, I have to, I just had a C-section. I've got to get myself to mass this next weekend. You know, like it's, it's, (laughs) Yeah, it's again. It's it's always a switch from kind of this this pulling back and kind of with a, a fundamentalist sort of mindset on 
on trying to keep within the keep myself safe within the rules versus turning outward and saying, no, Lord, I want to do the very best that I can for you. I want to be the, the most generously obedient and prudent and just that I can. And when most of the time that means, yeah, I go to mass. I'm obligated to do that. I'm going to do that joyfully. But then when you send me a sick day or when you send me a postpartum period, you know, and I really ought, and I'm, I'm receiving, you know, it is your will for me, you know, that I ought to respect this time and take it. I'm going to do that joyfully. But it's this turning outward and positively doing, you know, responding to reality rightly and joyfully as best you can. And no one can discern that but you. <laughs> like you have to discern that with your spiritual director and your spouse. No one can make the prudent choice for you. You have to discern it and you have to. Talking about one of the things that I didn't do, that mm-hmm. I should have done, that now I am forced to do because it's now the medical thing that occurs when I'm pregnant, mm-hmm. is that I refused not to kneel for a really long time when I was pregnant because I'm just like, no, that's, I know that Jesus is there. I know what this is and I will not put my butt on that pew. Okay. Baby number three comes and right where I kneel, right exactly where my veins curl, where I kneel is where I have these horrific varicose veins when I'm pregnant, like very painful. Like if I kneel, it's like a tourniquet. (laughs) Okay. So now as soon as I'm pregnant, as soon as I feel those, those veins begin to like soften or whatever, I don't know if you, if you have varicose veins and you've been pregnant, you can almost tell like immediately when the hormones start, like it's one of my first signs of pregnancy actually, Mm -hmm. as I can feel my varicose veins. Um, so it's like the whole pregnancy, I have to suck it up and just sit on the pew because I can't, I can't risk a blood clot. I can't, you know, like I will make them worse. And so I'm just didn't obey the church. I thought I was better than that. I thought if I didn't kneel, everyone would believe I didn't believe in the Eucharist. You know what I mean? And now it's just like, well, I can never kneel (laughs) when I'm pregnant. Uh, So it's just this, yeah, we have to be prudent. Mm -hmm. You know, I was making a decision out of fear. I was making a decision out of pride, out of vanity, maybe not pride, but vanity. Um, what other people around me were thinking about my interior, my soul, the state of my soul. Um, Rather than Lord, how can I do your will the very best that I can right now? You know? Yeah. Now the last way that you want me to, yeah. The last few masses because our church is too hot because it's the middle of winter and I'm pregnant and my church, it's just too hot for Mm me. I've spent like from the start of the liturgy of the word, until I can hear the Eucharistic prayer starting in the basement where it's cooler or standing outside in the snow (laughs) because I can just tell like my body's starting to swell or I'm getting like really uncomfortable. It's too hot. You know, my face is getting all red. So we got far afield from the baptism question. But the point is, the the point is is that I'm not going to tell you when to (laughs) baptize your baby, but at the same time, like the church gives exemptions and the church is wise. Yeah. No, the church isn't just, yeah, anyway, we've beat okay. that horse dead. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's, we have long form discussions here. <laughs> um, very dead horses. So these, these are two similar questions, okay. um, but that I want to attack in kind of a different way. So let's start out with the spouse as an equal partner. Like I saw this a lot, like where, well, if I'm going to be up, 
he's going to be up doing something too. Like if I'm going to be up nursing the baby, Mm. he's going to be up doing something too. Or he doesn't understand how much I do. So I need to enforce this thing on him. When we see this in NFP, it sounds really cute when you're like, oh, it sucks to get up every morning and take your temperature at the same time every day. So you need to wake him up and he keeps the thermometer on his side of the, and he'll put it in your mouth and then you take your temperature and he writes it down. But that doesn't last for a long time before you yeah. both want to kill each other like out of resentments. Like, let's make it sort of ahead of time. Let's, like so, pre, let's take all the virtue out of it and just like put it on paper. So like, I don't think the equal, and actually we're going to have an upcoming episode on sharing the mental load of housekeeping. What is it? Homemaking. Homemaking. Yeah. Um, with uh, Haley Stewart, but Ooh, I see done. this in, yeah, I see this in a, in a similar way where like you're trying to equally somehow arbitrarily divide well, your quality again. So this is going to get a tangent here about society, but like we, we praise liberty and equality uh, as these high values, but they are, they're secondary values that we protect um, in order to protect people, but they're not the ultimate thing. Equality is not the ultimate thing. Equality is what you do to protect people. But beyond and behind equality is everybody's individual uniqueness and everybody's individual strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. You know, um, And so equality is a protection. And so in this case, again, the, you have people speaking out of a place of woundedness you know, where they haven't, they haven't been, maybe they weren't taken care of the way they ought to have been taken care of. Or a fear of future woundedness. And so it's trying to you know? use the, this this sort of artificial equality to try to fend that off. But ultimately, I mean, it should be that both spouses are trying to give prudently in the in, in every way that they can, you know. And for for a mom who's recovering, that is, you know, accepting the contemplative mode, you know, of, yeah, actually, of recovering Lisa, and resting. Lisa talked about this in the last, the first part one postpartum episode mm-hmm. where she was talking about how like you can be you I'm every pregnancy I'm resentful in the middle of the night it happens even though I know mm-hmm. you know like why does he get to sleep his useless nipples <laughs> um you know there is that it's there but it's like um well, he's gonna wake up and he's gonna take care of five children tomorrow mm-hmm. and he's gonna do all the house cleaning and whatever and I would rather have him like be on the ball with that mm-hmm. so that I don't have to worry or I don't have to hear things and want to come out and take right. care of stuff. Um, well, and just kind of like resting in the, yeah. in that moment with the baby. We also don't have one standard thing. Like we've, we've changed it many times, tried different mm. arrangements, different strategies yeah. that worked or they didn't work. And then we said, okay, this isn't working. We need to make a new plan. Yeah. So then we came up with a new plan of how we could both give the very best ways we could. Yeah. So you know? the answer to this question is watch for the episode with Hallie Stewart, where we talk <laughs> about, we will talk more eloquently about like the mental sharing, the mental burden of yeah, homemaking. It's a much, much bigger issue here. Um, so it, yeah, it's not just one that, that, I mean, perhaps you can get accustomed to your new spouse in a new situation mm-hmm. by truly arbitrarily de- dividing tasks, but I don't think that that can exist very long without getting both partners getting resentful right. and burned well, out. And, and again, this is something to prepare for ahead of time. Like it, it's hard to do that charitably and constructively when you're in the midst of the real difficult times. Like you want to have, you want to be working during pregnancy on your intimacy and your communication and your teamwork mm-hmm. ahead of time. Like, you know, you get pregnant. I mean, that is the time to go in 
this is this is game time. Like mm-hmm. we need date nights. We need to lay out our family mission. Mm-hmm. We need to be doing a rallying cry. Allow um, arguments to occur. Yeah, you need to get get it out there yeah. and get on the like you know get this is this is this is a great time for take our staycations. You know sometimes yeah. when you're pregnant because it's like let's get away and let's let's remember why we got married and let's get excited and let's get let this be a team. Any of the, the ways that we've let dysfunction creep in, let's let's get that out there now so that we're ready for the inevitable difficulties mm-hmm. of the postpartum time. So that we're ready uh, to to give ourselves generously. Let's go beyond equality, you know, at yeah. those times. I want to give more generously in the places that it makes prudent sense to do yeah. so. Totally. So the, the similar question that you're talking about now is best strategies for him to be supportive of you. If, like, he has useless nipples and he's not going to nurse the baby in the middle of the night. And we don't change diapers at night. Oh, yeah. We My heavens. That. Just... You talk to a mom with five or more kids, she doesn't change diapers at night because newborn poop does not, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It's not going to hurt them. They'll be fine. Keep them swaddled, teach them to sleep, just nurse them, put them down. So there's not even diapers for him to change in the middle of the night. So um, something that I did realize with our first home birth (laughs) is that there's no one there to watch the baby at night. Because a lot of times when you've been up 24 hours laboring and delivering, mm-hmm. you have this rush of adrenaline the next day mm-hmm. and like you can't sleep and you're just like happy and joyful and like in the moment. And then nighttime comes and he's been up all day with the kids and you've been up all day because you're, you're, you're really wired. And then like, you're like, I can't give him this baby because he's going to fall asleep with the baby. And so you're just like, I'm alone, you know? So, well, so me problem solving this area, this, this time is that I want to make sure that you nap Mm. either while I'm in the early stages of labor or like that day, I want to make sure that, that somebody keeps our kids instead of having them all come back and you nap so that if in the middle of the night I'm. I just can't handle the baby that you can come and take the baby. And I won't be thinking like, he's just going to fall asleep with the baby in his arms. So, um, so yeah, maybe like asking your wife for a nap is the best way you can be supportive of her in the middle of the night, because you can take a nap and then be able to be awake with the baby when she's sleeping, (laughs) you know, but I, I mean, So communicating needs and issues and like maybe if you've had a birth before thinking about the thing, I just, you know, things I just, I think about and then troubleshooting them for the future. And we've said it before Keep that word document for the postpartum trimester. We learn, then we forget, we learn over and over again. And sometimes we have to review some of our own shows to remember this point. It's just that, you know, the world looks bleak. Life looks really overwhelming. The calendar looks too full. The house looks unmanageable when you're not a team when you've kind of fallen out of sync. But as soon as you, you, when you, when you make proactive efforts to sync back up and you're a team again, as a couple, suddenly a lot of the clouds clear and the stuff's still difficult, but it's manageable, mm-hmm. you know, cause you can attack it piece, piece by piece and figure out the best way together. And God's with you. That's the thing too, is that it's so easy when you're, you're isolated, when you've allowed yourself to, you're as a couple to kind of pull apart and be on two separate tracks of mm-hmm. life and you're isolated because of that, it's easy to stop having faith and hope in God that he's really guiding you. And it, you're, you're, nothing's happening in your life that's a surprise to him, you mm-hmm. know, and the, 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 you have to keep 
keep that in mind that this is all manageable. It's all surmountable, but you have to be doing it as a team. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is probably hard for first time parents mm-hmm. because you are still living two individual lives and the baby, even if, you know, you've had great retreat experiences and stuff like that and decent communication. Like we have, we've always had really decent communication. Um, yawning. No, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's okay. We're, we're neither of us are getting sleep. Like we said before. Um, so, um, it is going to be, I mean, you, it's going to be a challenge in your communication, your first baby, because everything is getting thrown up in the air. Yeah. There's all kinds of feelings and thoughts you have never had before. You never thought you would have. You never thought you'd have to. And, and your wife could act really crazy. Um, that That is a reality. Yeah. Um, I even surprise myself and how crazy. Like right now, this pregnancy, like I'm so weepy. I'm so weepy. Like everything is this huge, horrible thing that I'm weeping over. And that's not normal for, for me in a pregnancy. It's more normal in my girl pregnancies. Um, but like, like I seem crazy to myself and I, you're, you've been through it enough times that I probably don't seem crazy. I just seem pregnant. But like when you haven't been pregnant before and you haven't been postpartum before, like it's like, who did I marry? This person is insane. She's never going to be the person I married before. You know, and there's, there's just all these feelings happening and just knowing that these things are going to happen and your communication is going to change. Um, that's just really helpful to know and to not be prideful about, like, it's easy to hear people say this Mm -hmm. and be like, no, it's not going to be us. We are going to be so prepared for this, that we are going to experience no stress, but that's not reality. The stress will come. Um, and I think I, I, in my experience, we've been better for it. Um, especially because it forces fights. (laughs) It forces us to say things that like need to be said. Got more? I do. I do. Um, uh, so I, I guess just talking a little bit about um, people wanted us, to, a large number of people wanted us to make distinctions between like postpartum depression and anxiety and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I can't make mm. clinical distinctions, yeah. um, but I think your best bet is giving your body what it's expecting physiologically, psychologically (laughs) in that postpartum period. And that's our goal. Um, I've been through really, really scary, really scary postpartum times. And I know it was very bewildering to you. Mm. Um, And just like, this is why we we go through such care and through such strategy Mm. and through such planning to make sure that, because I'm an investment. It's, it, I, I don't want to be the kind of mom that I was during those postpartum depression times. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be the, the me I know. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that the, the very first and most basic thing you can do is to allow for healing. Yeah. And that's why you and Lisa talked in the last episode about, you know, pre- pre- preparing in the sense of the way we're talking about today on trying to, to really give that postpartum period um, it's very best shot, you know, preparing as a couple, preparing as a family, as an extended family, as a community, try to give, um, you know, uh, allow it to be embraced fully, mm-hmm. but then also preparing is it's plan for the best, prepare for the worst, you know, mm-hmm. plan for the very best postpartum period you can, but then also have 
the, uh, you know, the, the breastfeeding consultant person on, yeah. on dial and, you know, the NAPRO doctor mm-hmm. person on dial and be prepared, but try or to rule out as many of the variables as you can. Yeah. I and, mean, but then be if, ready to ask for help as you need help. Yeah. If you have something like a NICU stay, mm-hmm. which is something we've never experienced, mm-hmm. um, even just knowing these things ahead of time, mm-hmm. knowing that my body does need to rest, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes hospitals do put really difficult restraints on women's who should not, and women's, <laughs> on women who should not even be moving. You know, not even be standing up other than to go to the bathroom, you know. And so it's like knowing what you need may help you advocate in that advocate in that position or think creatively in that position. Mm -hmm. You know, like who can I call if I needed someone else to feed my family for a week? Who can I call if I needed, you know, somebody else to watch my kids? Maybe it's the, the, the woman who doesn't have any grandkids yet who has said to you at church, let me know if you need anything. Yeah. And then you're just like, I could possibly call her and just tell her my situation, you know, um, and she could <laughs> maybe, maybe she'll help me or maybe she'll know somebody or maybe there'll be yeah. a group of grandmas who want to come and watch my kids yeah. so that I can stay put mm-hmm. and I can be near that baby and I can be experiencing the hormones that I need to be experiencing. And yeah. you know what I mean? So just yeah. thinking about these things ahead of time is mm-hmm. very helpful and, and something I do, and I'm really careful about, mm-hmm. sorry, I promised practicals. Um, we're at an hour, and I don't want to go too much farther than an hour, mm. um, but I do want to go through a few practicals. Um, I, and let me just say quickly that, again, this is a time, we're not going to get into practicals, but this is, and all that we've said, th- this is a time and an opportunity, like everything is a time and an opportunity to grow in virtue, and it's probably a time to grow in the virtues that you're lacking. So, you know, if you... Your proclivity is to try to derive yourself worth from being productive. As a woman, this is the time to plan ahead with your spouse, be proactive, and try to embrace leisure, try to embrace rest in God, mm-hmm. you know, the contemplative mode rather than Get the active Get good at mode. your Sabbaths. You know, if, 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 you know. if as a husband you tend to just kind of fly by the seat of your pants and let life happen to your family, this time before the baby happens is the time to get to get proactive and be a leader and lead your family in making a plan. You know, uh, th- this is like every thing we experience is an opportunity for virtue, but we, when, but by looking ahead and making a plan, we can be more prepared to receive the graces God wants to give us through this time. Yeah. So practicals. Practicals. Okay. So, Some um, here. I mentioned this in the last episode, but I set arbitrary mental, time limits mm-hmm. of like at two weeks, I'm going to feel amazing and I'm going to want to get back into the swing of things and start cooking and start doing things. But I'm going to say to myself, danger, <laughs> like this is your two week danger zone. You know, your bleeding could start open again and you could, um, you could start feeling postpartum depression, clenching and things like that. So be careful. And then I also, You know, I set another one for like two months, like don't care about anything. Don't put anything on the schedule. Don't care that people are still bringing you meals at two months. Don't care. Like just pretend clutter makes you feel good. Um, You know, and then even that, like you're never going to, you're not going to feel like you don't have a newborn in your house until you're around 10 months postpartum or a year postpartum. Then you're going to start feeling more normal, but it takes that long. Mm -hmm. It takes a really long time. So these little like 
mental. I even write them down sometimes so that I can look at the timeline and just be like, ah, I, I'm supposed to say this to myself. It's not. Um, I also excuse myself from uh, thinking about traumatic things like my traumatic birth or how I wish that person hadn't been there. If this didn't happen, um, oh. then I would have a better, I would, this, it, this situation wouldn't have occurred. I don't let myself think about those things until I'm physically healed. So I just, I make a list of all my feel good movies that don't have any trauma <laughs> in them. Mm. Um, and I'm a big action movie person. So that means like no action movies at all. So like I'm watching a lot of Jane Austen or like Return to Me, Lark Rides Candleford, yeah. you know, The Office, something like that. Um, and the more general principle here is that we, we all struggle with that sometimes, you know, we want to ruminate and be anxious and worry about things either in the past or in the future. Um, there is a proper time to think about and process and discuss those things. Oftentimes when we're, we're feeling a tug to do that, it's not the time we should be doing it. You know, we're thinking about those things when someone's talking to us, you know, and we're, we're busy ruminating on that. And so, as you said, you may prudently decide, you know what, this postpartum time bonding with this baby, recovering, healing, this isn't the time necessarily to, to let myself spin off into those anxieties, especially mm -hmm. not alone which may be uh, the tendency, Yeah, you know, but make a decision about that, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. it's not that it's going to go unprocessed. I'm just not processing it right now. Yeah. That is mm -hmm. not my place right now. Mm -hmm. It's not what I'm going to do. Um, I also take a look at my, our bedroom and our living space. We did a really good job at this mm. this year. And I look at the places that I'm going to hate looking at for like two <laughs> weeks, you know, so we have overflowing, uh, changing table thing. So we replaced it with a dresser this time, yeah. you know, or, um, I hate nursing on the couch. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a great comfortable couch, but it like makes me do this. So we, we swapped out couches. And you can't lay down on yeah, it. We worked on some, yeah. yeah, some pinch points in our, so just like home. looking yeah. at things that you're already dreading, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to hate looking at this thing for two weeks, you know, well, maybe that just needs to be moved out of your room <laughs> for two weeks, or maybe you need to problem solve a particular area. Um, uh, another one. Yeah. Have make, make sure you are prepared with people to bring you food, mm. accept a meal train, ask a friend to do a meal train for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I have done meal trains. I have organized meal trains for people across the country. Mm. Like it is very simple. <laughs> you basically just need to give them a few answers to questions. If you want the answers to those questions, so you can ask someone about a meal train, yeah. like email me or comment or however, somehow we'll get it. Give people that gift of allowing them, asking them, asking for their help, asking for their service in this, this physical, practical way. It's a great gift to somebody else to ask them to help you in that way. This is going to be really specific, okay. but around two months postpartum, like after your, your boobs kind of get normalized oh. again, <laughs> sorry, just kidding. sorry. chests, areas. <laughs> what are you hawing about? <laughs> okay. Um, I, I buy myself a new bra, like mm -hmm. a brand new nursing bra mm -hmm. that fits well. Um, and that can make you look in the mirror and feel like your normal self again. You're never going to be whatever the heck you think you were before, <laughs> but like a bra can do a like a huge difference in your self-worth and your dignity. Yeah. He's sorry. He's like, Oh, but no, I, I really think that that's always like one of my, one of my things. Um, and again, just like this is your investment in your vocation. Um, a lot of people get burned out. A lot of people get 
struggle with mental things that they should never be struggling with. Um, so invest, invest in your vocation. Um, this isn't just a push present. <laughs> this is your ability to serve others into the future. So that's it. Cool. Oh my gosh. So that was long. <laughs> that was a lot of stuff. That was probably some stuff that made some people uncomfortable. Other people. We should have given upset. a disclaimer. Oh, we gave yeah, some disclaimers. Sorry. Well, that was last that episode. We gave them last episode. But again, the point is <laughs> like we all as Explicit. couples and as families have to discern and be prudent. I mean, like, again, your scenario, your situation may look extremely different than ours, but you too are called to be prudent, just, courageous, and tempered. You're called to be virtuous. And whatever situation God's sending you, that is the raw material out of which he wants to build you into a saint. And so our, our goal here is just to give you some ideas, but hopefully most of all, just to give you some encouragement. Just keep going. God's with you. Work together as a team, as a couple. I don't think I have anything else to say. So thank you for joining us for this episode of Elevate Ordinary. Again, go to elevateordinary.com for more information about the show or to join our patron community, the Manor at St. Anne's. Download the Awaken app at theawakenapp.io. The best place to follow this and other shows from Awaken. Thank you again for um, persevering through this episode. God bless you. (laughs) See you next time. We need to stop ending every episode like that. Uh, (laughs) See you next time. God bless. (laughs)